the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You see, when parents blot out the Lord in their life, when they get too busy for a relationship with God, when they focus on themselves and not the Savior, you know, they give their children no legacy. There is no future for the family. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentenko will be here in just a moment with today's message. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is here now to take your prayer request. We would love for you to be at the worship service live in person, but are not able to invite you at this time due to the current situation. But we can invite you to a live broadcast, and you can find all that information at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. The last time we got together, we brought you the first portion of Generations Genesis. We will conclude that message here today. We appreciate you listening. Remember, you can find this broadcast online at reachingyourheart.com. Here's Pastor Michael Oxentenko. Chinese proverb says, if you want happiness for a lifetime, help the next generation. How many of you think, by looking at this text on the surface, that Cain is doing a good thing? Building a city for his son. Doesn't that kind of feel good? Doesn't that seem like that's a noble little thing for him to do? Well, I'm investing in my kids. Now, on the surface, it looks like Cain is doing good for his children. It, it looks like he is planning for the future, you know, opening up an IRA for the kids, an investment plan for the future. I mean, responsible parenting here, right? The name Enoch literally means dedication or inauguration. Cain names his city after his son Enoch deliberately. Cain represents the parent who places the burden of his mistakes on the son or daughter's back. Cain places the burden on the shoulder of his children to redeem his name and give him a future. God cursed the ground that Cain would till. So now Cain moves on and farms the future with his children's future. He plants his son as a city and his son becomes the seed for his future, his hope, his reversal of God's judgment on Cain. You see, it's possible as a parent to live out your fantasies, to live out your insecurities through your children's lives and to pass a legacy of self-doubt of condemnation and fear to the next generation that is hard to overcome, in fact, may never be overcome. That's what Cain is doing. Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. You know, dear heart, if you make it your business to trust God with your todays, to depend on God for your tomorrows, you're going to have secure children. But if you're fretting and worrying about whether or not you're going to have enough money in the bank, whether or not there's going to be a retirement program at the end of your life, and you move through your kid's childhood just worrying about the outcome of your life, you will sow a sense of insecurity in your children. In the end, they will not have God as their refuge. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, 
and everything will be added unto you. So the man who was afraid to trust God had nothing to offer his son for safety but a city. The man who would not start with God and trust God used his son, manipulated his son to start over without God. So he named his son Dedication or Inauguration. He named the city after his son. Genesis 4.18, To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad was the father of Mahujael. Mahujael, the father of Methushiel. Methushiel, the father of Lamech. Now, I see some of you sleeping. How many of you get tired when you read genealogies? Oh, those genealogies, those slow-moving lines of the Bible that seem to have no meaning. Well, I'll tell you, when I read these lines, I get energized because I see dramatic theology coming out of these lines. So I'm going to ask you to kind of take your pulse here, make sure you're still alive, and hang in there because I'm going to move through the content of this, and I'm going to need your focus to do it. Enoch had a son and named him Irat. Now, the oldest city in Sumer, Sumer is that pre-Babylonian world which reflects the antediluvian world's consciousness. Sumer had a city that was named Iridu, which is equivalent to the name for Irat in Hebrew. Irad's name seems to be a play on the Hebrew word for city and wild ass. The Egyptian word goat possibly comes from the same root as well. So two concepts are coming together, out of control and city. Eridu represents a city that's out of control like a wild ass. At Eridu, archaeologists discovered an alternate Genesis story that portrays the deity as a distant and dark god. At Eridu, God was someone who must be appeased in order to bless his people. In fact, archaeologists have dug deep and have found a Genesis story written on clay tablets called the Eridu Genesis story that shows a different tale than the one we find in the Bible. I'd like to read just a very few excerpts of that story to you. The god Ninter was paying attention at last, understood. Let me bethink myself of my humankind, all forgotten as they are. Now, an indifferent deity here pictured who forgot about humanity until suddenly he realized not to. And mindful of mine, Ninter's creatures, let me bring them back. Let me lead the people back from their trails. May they come and build cities and cult places that I may cool myself in their shade. He, the king, regularly performed to perfection the august divine services and offices, laid bricks of those cities in pure spots, They were named by name and allotted half-bushel baskets. You see the agricultural intensity here of their society and their city? The firstlings of those cities, Iridu, which means Irad. Now think of this. You can hear Cain's fascination with the ground in all this. Allotted half-bushel baskets. The fascination with somehow pulling out of the earth more than you can. In the Eridu Genesis account, cities were built to secure favor with the gods to ensure a secure harvest. To manipulate the future, they built a temple complex to make the rain fall. Eridu was a city out of control, spiritually speaking. It was a city that tried to manipulate God so God would bless them. An indifferent God, an uncaring God at that. According to the Sumerian religion, the city of Eridu was the first city built before the great flood. There were five cities, according to this Genesis account, built before the flood, This is the first. Now, if that is true, then the city named after Cain's son Enoch failed. It never took. It never made it to the memory whereby it was lodged in history. The man who put the burden on his son's shoulders to save his reputation. Cain raised a son whose name was Enoch. Enoch had a son, Irad. And Irad built a city that was out of control like a wild ass. 
spiritually out of control, unable to rely on God for the future. Ired had a son, and the Bible says they named him Ahujael. That sounds like something out of Planet of the Apes or something. Ahujael. His name literally means blot out Yahweh as God. Macha is to blot the Yah. The J there is Yahweh, and the word El is God. Blot out Yahweh as God, or more simply, blot out the Lord as God. Imagine naming your son something like that. He comes out, and you're passing out the chocolate bars because, you know, we don't give out those uh, cigars, right? And as you're passing out the chocolate bars, you suddenly are moved to name your son. Blot out the Lord as God. That's his name. That's how bad it got by this time. That's how deeply encrusted Cain's sin had become, generationally speaking. I have a very close friend of mine who I haven't spoke to in years, and so we're not that close anymore. I went to school with him. I roomed with him. We went through ministerial courses together. He dropped out, went through a different line, through English, which isn't bad. But I saw him slipping by degree into atheism. He was dabbling with the great world religions, which teach a distant God concept. And he began to think philosophically along those lines. And years passed, and I was down in Florida, and I visited him, and I arrived just in time for the birth of his son. We went for a walk out near the Atlantic Ocean there, where it comes close to the Gulf. And as we were walking, the walk evidently stimulated his wife, who was pregnant. The following morning, she had a baby son. I went to the hospital, and I had the chance of praying for them as that baby boy had just been born. And I said, I don't want to mention his name because I don't want it to get back. But I said, dear friend, what about your, your boy? What legacy are you going to leave him? You have left God. You're on a road that has no faith in it. What kind of legacy are you going to leave this little boy? You're just going to raise him where he grows up, he gets an education like you and drops in the grave and has nothing to show for it? He looked at me, and I could tell that he was struggling with that. But he didn't struggle hard enough because his family disintegrated. His marriage broke down, and in the end, he lost his family. Dear heart, without the Lord, you don't have anything in this world. You can't secure the relationships that are most important in your life. God is the glue, and grace is the means that holds a family together. Cain severed his relationship with God because of pride. He refused to be forgiven as a father. Living in fear, he placed the burden of his future on his son's back. He named him Enoch, which means a new beginning. He farmed the future with his son's future. Bitter and overburdened Enoch had a son in time, and he named him after a city that is out of control. Irod represents the son who has no moral and spiritual self-control. And Irod had a son, and he named his son, Blot out the Lord as God, Mahujael. Ralph Waldo Emerson once wrote, Each age it is found must write its own books, or rather, each generation for the next succeeding. Cain, then Enoch, Irad, and finally Mahujael. Four generations of faithlessness and fear in a downward cycle. By the fourth generation, the Lord is blotted out as God. Now, dear heart, if you find that happening in your family system, if you're somewhere in the middle of that movement that's being described here, stop in your tracks, quit yawning, and look into the face of Jesus Christ and realize that you can take things into your own hands by grace and ask God to, to turn it around. You can make a choice that stops the cycle, that stops the river that leads to ruin. Mahujiel became the father of Methushiel. Now, Methushiel is a little more complicated, meth. Sounds like methane, but meth means at his death in Hebrew. 
Shah is the relative pronoun, which means who or what. And the relative pronoun is used early in Genesis 6, 3, so we know what's here. And then the word El means God. Methushael means when he dies, who or what is God? It moves from a blotting out of Yahweh as God, a blotting out of the Lord as God, to meaninglessness when you die. You see, when parents blot out the Lord in their life, when they get too busy for a relationship with God, when they focus on themselves and not the Savior, you know, they give their children no legacy. There is no future for the family. Methushiel is one of the saddest names in the Bible. When he dies, who or what is God? Dear heart, when your son or daughter comes to die, what do you want them to say? Who or what is God? Or do you want them to say, as the old African-American spiritual says so eloquently, When I come to die, oh, when I come to die, oh, when I come to die, give me Jesus. Is that what you want him to say? That's what I want to say. That's what I want my children to say. Give me Jesus and nothing less than Jesus. But Mahujiel led to Methushiel when he dies, who or what is God? Methuselah had a son. He named him Lamech. Lamech's name is rich in meaning. It can mean for poverty or for oppression or for smiting. It's probably the latter that is intended because Lamech was a murderer like Cain. Look at Genesis 4.19. Lamech took two wives. The name of the one was Ada. The name of the other, Zillah. It sounds like Godzilla a little bit, or Gogzilla. Ada bore Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have cattle. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and the pipe. Zillah bore Tubal-Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal-Cain was Naamah. Now, by the sixth generation, we have the breakdown of marriage in the family. It's very clear here. Lamech had two wives. It moves from monogamy to polygamy. They were named Ada and Zillah. Ada can mean forever, booty, or prey, but it can also mean ornament. The same word is used in Job 40, verse 10. Then adorn yourself with glory and splendor and clothe yourself in honor and majesty. Now the word adorn at the very first part of that verse is the word ada. Ada represents pride, worldliness, physical extravagance to attain beauty. A beauty that's based on a spiritual insecurity. Beauty on the outside that is fabricated but ugly on the inside because God isn't there. Zillah comes from the Hebrew word zal for shadow. The word shadow of death in Hebrew is zalmavet. You hear the zal in there? Z-L. Zillah means shadow. She represents spiritual darkness. Marriage without God in it. Affection without spirituality is not really love. Affection without the things of God is only a compromised kind of marriage existence. So Lamech had two wives with characters stamped by the unbelief created by the humanistic, self-centered, faithless line of Cain. Ada had two sons, Jabal and Jubal. It sounds like um, Leave it to Beaver a little bit, Jabal and Jubal. Maybe that was their Leave it to Beaver series way back in antiquity. Jabal means stream or irrigation. Jabal represents a new breakthrough in agriculture. I mean, here we see the dawn of science and technology. Man is using his wits to make the ground be more productive by irrigation, telling God that through his wits he can fix that ground that God has cursed. The birth of engineering and and science. Jubal means stream, or more likely ram's horn or trumpet. Jubal was the father of musical instruments. His name carries the same 
consonants is the word jubilee in Leviticus 25. It's built off the same word. A jubilee was counted as seven times seven years. Then the jubilee year came. Jubal is the seventh generation from Adam. At the jubilee year, the land went back to its original owner and the slaves were set free. No doubt they felt with the seventh generation was the Sabbath generation. This was the generation God would fix it. Yes, Jubal was born. Jubilation, rest, rejoicing. The man who would fix it all. That generation, the seventh generation. Well, Pastor Michael Oxentanka will be back here in just a minute with uh, the continuation of Generations Genesis. It's a part of the Genesis series, and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Just look for the Genesis series. Also wanted to remind you that we have a worship service in streaming format that is live at the time, and we're not able to invite you to be there in person. Hopefully that will not be much longer before the COVID-19 situation is behind us, and we're praying for that, and you'll be able to attend once again in person. But for now, we've made it available for you in streaming format live, and you can find it at reachinghearts.org slash video, reachinghearts.org slash video every Saturday at 11 o'clock. There's also some previous messages available there for you. Let's continue now with Generations Genesis. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentango once again. Zillah had a son and named him Tubal-Cain. In the seventh generation, the name Cain reappears with the prefix Tubal. Tubal means world. It can also mean to bring back based on the Babylonian word Tabalu, which means to make something come back. Two possible meanings. The world of Cain and the one who brings Cain back. Tubal-Cain. Tubal-Cain was the father of technology of iron and bronze. Now, the Hebrew word, I want you to say this with me, barzil. All right, have you ever heard of a bar mitzvah? Okay, what does it mean? Son of the commandment. Bar is the word son. Mitzvah is the word commandment. Now, barzil, what would the first part of that be? Son of. And what does the word zil remind you of so far? Zilla, son of Zilla. So the word iron means son of Zilla, Bardzil. And uh, the Hebrew word is developed off of this concept. So iron and bronze were used for agriculture and war. So in this sense, Tubal Cain was the one who brought Cain back. He is the genius who established the world of Cain. Technology increased the produce of the field and defied God's curse on the ground. And yes, technology led to war, bloodshed, and murder. And so the world of Cain was firmly fixed by the thinking modern mind. Only one daughter is mentioned in the genealogies before the flood. And she appears, and she is the sister of Tubal-Cain. Her name is Nama. She rep- and her name literally means pleasant or beautiful. She represents passivity when there is a need to stand up and oppose evil. She is pleasant when the world is wrong. She is just going along in a dainty kind of passive way, beautiful in her life, so to speak, when there is no reason to go in the flow of the river of Cain. Naamah represents the person, the line of Cain, who just goes along with bad things, who makes it part of their lifestyle and culture, who watches the soap operas, who doesn't worry about the modern culture of the immorality of the film industry that integrates into their life, is happy, goes to church, and does not make the connection on their knees with God. That person is like Naamah. Genesis 4.23, Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech, hearken to what I say. 
I have slain a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain is avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy-sevenfold. Now, unlike Cain, Lamech here basically has a good excuse. He says, they hit me first, therefore I killed them. Justified murder now in the generations that follow Cain. The Sabbath generation of Jabal, Jubal, and Tubal Cain ends with no rest, no peace, no light, and no hope. According to Rashi, a famous Jewish scholar, Lamech killed Cain and Tubal Cain. And so there was seven times 70, 490 more years, an eternity of evil ahead of them in their own minds. The curse goes on. The failure of the line of Cain sets the context for the verses that follow. You see, all of this is nothing but background to the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the setting of the promise, we find the backdrop of Cain's failure. Look at Genesis 4.25. The Bible says, And Adam knew his wife again. She bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another child instead of Abel, for Cain slew him. The key word is again. God has now done something. You see, when Cain was born, Eve said, I have created a man who is the Lord. Not so this time. This time God acts. This time God breaks into history. This time God reverses the arrogance of her previous statement. Verse 25 says, Adam knew his wife. Seth means to put or to appoint. She names him after the promise of Genesis 3.15. The exact Hebrew word is used here. I will put enmity between you, the serpent, and the woman. Between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. She recognizes that in this boy that comes from God, the promise is alive. That faith is broken into history. That life has dawned in the line of human history. That there is an answer to the fallen line of Cain. And God will bruise bring the Messiah. God will bring the promised seed. He will put enmity. And so she names her son Seth, which means God will do it. The line of Seth is appointed as the line of the promise given to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Seth has a son, and he names his son Enosh. Enosh literally means mortal man. Enosh means you can't live without God. Enosh means the best plans come to an end unless God builds the house. You labor in vain, dear heart. The fourth generation from Cain was named Ahujael, which means blot out the Lord as God. In the line of Seth, hope appears again. In the line of Seth, the light of God appears like it did at creation. Verse 26, To Seth also was born a son, and he called his name Enosh. And at that time men began to call upon the name of the Lord. The generations of Cain end in hopelessness and despair because God is out of the mix. Because life without a relationship with God has no meaning, no end, no purpose, no goal. Generations Genesis starts anew with Seth because Seth is the line of the promise that leads to life in Jesus Christ, the promised seed. Seth represents dependence on God's word instead of dependence on your plans, your efforts, your wits. Seth looks to the future when Jesus will come. And the sacred son will crush the serpent's head at the cross. That is the meaning of his name, to put enmity between the serpent and the sea of the woman. Seth means God has appointed an answer when human answers fail and human plans tank. Seth means God is in control when you aren't and you can't change a thing in your life. You see, dear heart, generations, Genesis starts with Seth because nothing lasts very long without the promise that is alive in Jesus Christ. 
When Seth appears, God writes a book. I mean, you should look at, look, look at verse 26 and now pop over to Genesis 5.1. When Seth appears, God writes a book because the line of Seth represents those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life from the foundation of the world. Genesis 5.1. This is the book of the generations of Adam and it starts with Seth. The generations of Adam. The children of Seth are written in the book because God has put their name there by grace. As soon as man began to call upon the name of the Lord when Enosh was born, God writes a book to put their name inside it. Dear heart, you want to call on the name of the Lord today? You want to reach out to heaven and say, Lord, I can't live without you. Reach it high. When you call on the name of the Lord, the same thing happens to you that happened to Seth. God writes a book of remembrance. He puts your name in that book. And he won't take your name out of that book unless you force him to. Dear heart, God is the one who must put grace in your life. God is the one who fixes the future. God is the one who has the road. You can't make for yourself a tomorrow. Seth is generation's genesis that gave us Jesus. Seth is the line that brought Abraham and finally the Messiah. Seth is the promise that anyone can start anew with Jesus and have their name written in the Lamb's book of life. Well, that will conclude Generations Genesis. Today's Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko. This Generations Genesis, and you can find the entire message without interruption at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Look for the Genesis series. I would like to be able to invite you to the worship service live in person, but at this time, due to the current situation, I am not able to do that. But I am able to invite you to a live broadcast so you can watch from the comfort of your home. Just navigate to reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. You'll find previous messages there as well, and you can watch it live Saturdays at 11 o'clock. And we would invite you to go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel where that link will take you. Again, reachinghearts.org slash video. In the meantime, go ahead and stop by reachingyourheart.com to listen to this broadcast again. And we want to let you know that we do appreciate you listening. And as always, we do pray that God is reaching your heart.